0: This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. By the play on the
1: show. show, show, show.
0: Your Mariners, eight games above 500 high watermark for this season. I say Ben since way back at the beginning of 2019 when they started off the season inexplicably hot. Something they could not sustain and that was hard to imagine they were going to sustain it that year. this is a little bit different, and after this weekend series, we heard from Kyle Seeger about what he hopes it means for the direction of this team, but let's take you back to what happened because in three straight games, the Seattle Mariners beat the A's by a single run they are 23 and eight in one run games let's let's run through how they won those games in in on Saturday. It was Dylan Moore who scores after a third wild pitch in that individual inning from the A's reliever. Here's that victory. Let's see if Shed gets geared up for that fastball. The 3-0.
1: Fastball kicks away from Murphy to the backstop. Here comes Dylan Moore. He tiptoes home across home plate, and the Mariners have taken the lead.
0: It's 4-3 with two outs in the bottom of the seventh. And the next night, even a little more dramatic. They waited until the bottom of the ninth, and this time, again, on a wild pitch, scored the game-winning run.
1: And the pitch on the way to Hanniger. Way outside in the dirt. Gets on by Garcia. Here comes Keldick on the score. Hands in the air. And the Mariners win it on a wild pitch. Five to four. The buildup to that, it's important to add the context of Mitch Hanniger hitting two home runs and a double in that game. So... No matter who you are on the mound, whether it's Trevino or somebody else in the A's bullpen, you're facing red-hot Mitch Haniger. You might get the yips. He definitely had the yips of that at bat, that's for sure.
0: Bases are loaded. There's two outs. There's nowhere to put him. You've just gotten a ground out of Fielder's Choice in which a runner was thrown out at home. But, yeah, it's it is it is as high leverage a situation as you have against a guy who has just destroyed you that game. So that's two wild pitches. Then yesterday's, it was a four-run third inning in which all of the Baroners' runs scored with two outs. They didn't even have a runner on base until they got to two outs in the inning and proceeded to st- to string that together against Cole Irvin, who we'll get to in a second. But I, in my opinion, the play of the game came from uh, a guy that plays a lot of infield but was in the outfield, and Jake Bowers, absolutely, with the throw that kept the A's from knocked a runner out of scoring position. A great play that he made. Chapman gets a
1: lead at first. Now the set by Steckenrider and the pitch on the way. swinging a ground ball left side and through a wide open left side of the infield. Rounding second. Heading for third is Chapman. The throw to third to Seeger and it's in time. What a throw by Bowers. Jake Bowers gets to the base in and left center field. Fires a strike to Kyle Seeger at third. Chapman trying to go from first to third. Is out at third base for the second out of the inning. What a throw. What a throw by Jake Bowers. And Bowers helps the Mariners bullpen continue to look awesome against the A's ever since Rafael Montero's out. Twelve and two thirds innings, four hits, two earned runs and fifteen
0: strikeouts in the three victories for the Mariners Friday through Sunday. So what do you do now if you're the Mariners? You're eight games above five hundred. You're a game and a half back. You you're you're three you're number three right now in the race for one of the two wild cards. The Rays are out ahead, and then it's the A's, and then you're a game and a half back. The trade deadline is Friday, July thirtieth. And let's throw this in there: that you've you're you're a little bit ahead of schedule. Kyle, Kyle Seeger talked about this being an opportunity. He said at some point, at some point, you have to jump at at when you have a chance to win. When you have a chance to be a winning team, that you've got to be aggressive in that regard.
1: It's been preached, this rebuild, so much. But, I mean, you know, we're we're right there on the edge of this thing. So, certainly you would like to, you know, have them, you know, make moves and, you know, get the team as good as we possibly can. And, you know, I know me personally, I mean, good Lord, I'd like to make a run out of it. We heard from Ryan Divish last week that there's this idea that you want these players to feel like they are being – appreciated, respected, given every single opportunity that they can have to win. And then you hear Kyle Seager actually say it outwardly, which I think is fantastic leadership, at least for the rest of the clubhouse. I'm sure that they all wanted somebody to say that, and the guy who's the most tenured definitely has the most cause to want the Mariners to do something at the trade deadline. But when you add at the trade deadline where you're at in this Mariners rebuild, whatever you want to call it, is this more about – making those players feel like you're doing everything you can than it is to actually making your team better in the both short and long term? Because obviously, whatever you do is going to make you better in the short term. But is it necessarily going to make
0: you better in the long term? That's the most no, difficult I don't part care of about the players. here. I, the, the players' feelings, I'm not going to say that they're irrelevant. I care about this team having the best chance to win in 2022 and 2023. That, that's That's what I care about. I don't want to do anything right now that compromises their ability to win next season or the season after that. How deep that you're willing to go into some of the prospect pool and for for what, how much are you willing to shift forward? Are you willing to give up someone like Emerson Hancock or George Kirby, who's a pretty a pretty high high level prospect at a lower level of, of, of the minor leagues for someone like Armand Marquez who could help you right now? I, I I am in favor of them making additions. I do not want Mitch Haniger traded. I do not want anything done to take away from the group that's on the field right now. Luis Torrens and Kendall Graveman are two guys that I could see having some value being dealt. But I, if you're going to do that, you need to get back improved value for right now. I don't want them hurting their team's chances this year. Like that's the. But I don't I don't want them costing themselves chances to be great in 2023. Because they think they can get good sooner this year,
1: and, and that's the tricky part. Because it, where do they draw the line as
0: far as the guys who are touchable and untouchable? And Danny, you had a list of five guys in the Mariners' there's three. Farm guy, there's there's two guys that I won't trade for any circumstances: Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. I'm not talking about. Okay, like that's if you're going to come in, it's going to be have to have to be guys that are as high profile a potential prospect as those two players. And the others, I don't, I, Marte, Noel de Marte's on the next step. And he's not quite at that tier. But again, it's going to have to be something awfully good for me. Being Kirby, Kirby and Hancock are a little bit different for me. Because there is there is part of me that thinks there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. That pitchers, by their nature, are so fragile. And injuries impact them so much. If you told me one of those guys, if you put one of those guys in a deal and could land Marquez, personally, I think that I'm really interested in doing that. And that's not enough to stop me from 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 doing that. But you have to be getting. You can't get you can't get somebody like Frazier who just went from the Pirates. Adam Frazier who just went from the Pirates to the Padres. Or Whit Merrifield not, either. So you need better than Whit Merrifield to trade one of those yes. guys. Yes. Yeah. You need a guy that's like, oh man, that guy shifts the balance. I think Marquez does that. I think Marquez is good enough that he he shifts the balance for this year, and then you've got him for three more years after that. At a, at a it's not cheap but it's a very it's a very fair value. You've sold me on Marquez, and I would be willing
1: to probably part ways with all but the two that you mentioned, including Noel V. Marte, to get someone like that. I think starting pitching is just so difficult to get, and that would definitely help you because right now starting pitching is one of your strengths, but it's not that deep. I guess going back to sort of what I was mentioning, and I know you don't care about the the, the players' feelings necessary on this front, I I do think that there is an element of if you want Mitch Hanniger to have a different perception of this organization going forward, that it is important to do something. Now, this is not the only reason that you would make a move. You're more so making a move to make your team more competitive as you get closer and closer to the playoffs. But I do think that there is an element of you can maybe change Mitch Haniger's perception of this team and potentially make yourself actually a team that's able to maybe give him an extension when his contract expires at the end of next season.
0: How much is that worth to you? It should not be worth wins in 2023. And I guess that's my point. It should not be worth giving up wins in 2023 to say, okay, this guy might be great cuz typically when you have a team that makes a, a trade deadline addition, what they're saying is it's worth us, it's worth it for us to shift some potential to get some production now. We'll we'll trade you hey, 125% in potential of the production we'll get right now 130% we'll give you players that could be better that could be worse too but we're going to trade you higher potential stars for that guy that we know can contribute at this level right now and that's the part where I'm like I'm I I'm I'm, I'm dicey. I want to be able to trade Luis Torrens is somebody that I am actively looking for hey who's interested in this guy who's interested in the guy who has a very good bat there's some questions about his catching, and he probably doesn't fit in our long term. T- Taylor Trammell, like those sort of guys, I am actively putting together packages for. And then, if it's going to cost someone like Kirby or Hancock, that guy better be a stud right now. That guy, that guy better be a rock right now. I'm not worried about. Hey, I need Mitch Haniger to know that we're serious about winning. That that's 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 such a low part of my of my value of what what's going to influence this decision to me it's a very minimal part as well I just
1: think it is something that would help you out down the road just thinking about all the positives there and also I would say you know some of the guys you you laid out uh, Kendall Graveman's probably in that same category too as Luis Torrens right as far as I mean look it's a one-year contract and we'll see who he will be next year but the odds are is he going to be at this level coming out of the bullpen you never know with guys that are that are here same thing with with Torrens i i wonder about moving those guys just because i do think it makes you worse in the short term too you know even no matter if if you do trade one of those two guys and you would have to find someone who actually wants to take him in and feels like this is sustainable for a torrens or for a graveman they make you worse if you get rid
0: of those two and and especially with the way torrens has been hitting of late if you if you trade either of those guys it needs to make you better in the short term right the only the only reason to make deals right now should be for the Mariners to get better in the short term. They should not be doing something that has a short term cost for a long term ad. You sh- you should be your eight games above five hundred. You are ahead of the Yankees. You you do have the chance. You are getting you had the biggest crowd it, it, it this season on Saturday night again in that game against the A's. People are getting behind this team. Anything you do has to make you better in the short term. It has to. And with Torrance, look, I. Trading Terence for Whit Merrifield, I think that probably does make you better in the short term. It, it addresses the the weak spot in your infield right now is second base. He's a better player at second base than either of the guys that you're running out there right now. And yeah, like losing Terence, but you've got Cal Raleigh, who you really believe in long term. You've got Tom Murphy, who was hit better recently and is a very, very capable part of a, of a platoon or a combination at catcher. And you're going to have players that are starting to get healthy. Kyle Lewis looks like he's going to be back at some point, so it's not like the DH position. The DH position will become more valuable for you. Definitely. Do you think the Royals, though, are going to want, you know, with Salvador Perez, are they going to want someone like Torrens to be their designated hitter, I guess? He's a pretty good hitter. He, he is. Better of if, late. if they're not looking at winning right now or next year, Luis Torrens is much more... Is, is, the question isn't, could they use Torrens over Whit Merrifield? The question is, is somebody else going to give up more to get Whit Merrifield? Like mm. that's the question. It could be possible. You maybe need to package them together. But Whit Merrifield is someone that I, that I'm interested in. I'm just not interested in talking about any of those five top prospects when it comes to adding him. If
1: Merrifield is acquired for, say, a lot of prospects by another team. Does that make you feel okay? Say the Mariners don't go after anybody. Say like a couple of deals happen and you look at them and you're like, "Yeah, these teams gave up something that if the Mariners had given up a similar package, it wouldn't look good." Say they stand pat, but you see these guys that were supposedly targeted.
0: Are, are you okay with that? Cuz this I, morning, I, this morning I am 100% okay with Adam Frazier going to the Padres and not the Mariners. Okay. This morning I am 100% looking at what the what the Pirates gave up. And, and Marcona, who's a really good middle infielder, who is somebody that's better, the fact that that's what took them to get Adam Frazier, who's got one year left, and yes, has the most hits in the National League, but only has four home runs, I'm 100% okay with the with the Padres having been the one that gave up that price compared to the Mariners. As far as that,
1: I do wonder, just because he had all those hits, I really do, and maybe that, maybe that would have been something you could have gotten, but you're, you're right in that they did have to give up something significant. I, I feel like you're going to have to give up something a little bit more significant than maybe what you're willing to, and... That, With the way that they're playing right now There's a part of me that wants to roll the dice And see if this can keep going But maybe that's being a little bit cheap And and, and also a little bit of, a, ambitious About the prospects of this team long term Because of course there's still a lot of season left to go
0: It's Danny and Gallant Let's get to Around the, the NFL It's time to go Around the NFL The bottom line on the biggest stories In the NFL every morning at 9.15 With Danny and, Danny and Gallant Today's
2: an exceptional day What's up? What's up? That was an interesting one.
0: one. I'm good. How are you guys? I think we got the Packers shareholder meeting today. We do. So Mark Murphy starts by praising Brian Gutekunst. This is from Tom Pellicero saying he's the right person to lead the football program going forward. One guy yells, I've never seen him throw a touchdown. (laughs) Ah, Yes, (laughs) let's go.
2: I wish we could spectate this.
0: Oh, it's pretty good. Check Tom Pellicero's Twitter account.
2: Do you think it'll end up like the Bellevue Rotary Club meeting?
0: I don't think that Mark Murphy's going to start (laughs) roasting everybody. (laughs) Boom,
1: roasted.
2: (laughs) I don't know. He hasn't made great decisions so far when he's spoken publicly, so we'll see. All right, guys. I am sorry to inform you that in an interview with Complex Magazine, Russell Wilson brought back this.
0: Unlimited.
2: He he was talking to Complex Magazine about his exclusive memorabilia deal with Fanatics, and uh, apparently he said uh, about his mindset this season, I think you got to be unapologetic. You know what I mean? Go for it all. I think Mr. Unlimited's got to come out and show the world we have something to do. You have to wait and
1: see. See, I like this, Russ. I like happy-go-lucky, extremely corny Russ. Much better than I like terrible has a posse of, of, of like cameramen and all sorts of other people taking pictures of him, following him throughout Venice and posting like seven Instagram posts a day. I don't want that, Russ. I want Mr. Unlimited Russ. That is my favorite version of Russell Wilson.
0: Are, are you guys ready? At some point this week, I think we usually get the person who does the inside story on Russ's training regimen, and we get to hear about how he has a couple chefs, a masseuse, a personal trainer, like all of that on staff. And like he spends a million dollars a year on body maintenance. Like oh, yeah, it that's is, been
2: floating around on Twitter today again. Oh, has it? Yeah. yeah.
0: Every every year there is an annual. I think he's angling for that men's health cover. <laughs> I think he's angling for the men's health cover of like train like a champion. Yes, because your normal everyday person definitely has a million dollars to put in his body. There's one year he had a diet that included 12 almonds. He has 12 almonds each yeah. day. Yeah. Shout out to the twelves. <laughs> I love corny Russ. Like, hey, that—that's this is this that that is the guy that that at his best. This is Russell Wilson. Yep. So yeah, give me all of that. Happy Russ.
2: NFL Network's Mike Silver tweeted out a possible solution to get Aaron Rodgers in camp, saying that. They, the team could agree to lop off the final two years of his contract and theoretically not to franchise him after this season to set up a last-dance scenario. Not likely, but maybe the Packers decide one year's better than none.
1: Mike Silver's connected. Do you feel like mm-hmm. this is actually coming straight from Aaron Rodgers and being said
0: through Mike Silver? I, I think it's no. I think that it's hypothesizing. I think it's Mike knowing. I think it's Mike knowing what Aaron would be interested in and if that's the question if if Aaron Rodgers has had the approach that I'd prefer not to play for Green Bay this year and that's changing he definitely doesn't want to be in Green Bay next year and this that approach would make that clear like it would it would shift the decision to Aaron Rodgers he would get to choose if you're the Packers is that enough Is having Aaron Rodgers show up to training camp and begin, is that enough of, is there enough value in that to warrant surrendering any say over Aaron Rodgers' future? My answer would be no. Nope. He is
1: an all-time quarterback, and that guy's either retiring or he's playing
0: for you. Don't trade him. Why would you give up the ability to get multiple first-round picks? Do you really believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to leave all that money on the table by not playing this year?
1: I feel like he's definitely thinking about it. That's his only leverage, so he's going to keep pushing that. I, I, Danny, the, the, the first round picks that they might get, I, I'd rather just make Rogers suffer and 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 have him on the roster and, and until until he decides to come
0: back. Right? But that's that's not the, that's not the decision, right? Like the, if if you would say three first round picks or Aaron Rodgers plays for you, or you're not really deciding. You do not—the worst-case scenario is Aaron Rodgers leaves and you get nothing, right? Right. So you—is the the idea of getting six months of drama-free Aaron Rodgers worth enough to give up the possibility of getting multiple first-round picks for him? My answer would be no. That's that's not enough. I'm going to get compensation for him. Even if I've decided that after this season he's gone, I'm going to get compensation for him. Is the idea that they would— just release him or something like that? No, no, that? that they would change it. He's got two years after he's signed through 2023. You take off those final two years. 2022 and 2023 are lopped off your contract, and they promise not to franchise tag him. You're going to be a free agent at the end of this season. My answer to that would yeah, be if I'm on no. the team, no. Nope. I'm not, no, no, no.
2: The Colts announced this morning that head coach Frank Reich has tested positive for COVID-19. He is fully vaccinated, not experiencing any symptoms, but
1: is now in quarantine. I'll just say it. I'm confused. You know, this is this is obviously something that's taking place all over the country right now. It definitely makes the NFL and its push to get everyone vaccinated look like maybe this is not necessarily going to have the kind of impact that you'd want and I think that for every single person that has reservations or issues they are going to look at this and use this as an argument as to why they don't necessarily need to get a vaccination and I I wonder now that the numbers are going up I don't know if you saw today I think it was 80% Danny on Friday of players who have received at least one it's up to 83% today so at the very least there has been there has been some
0: movement as far as more vaccinations go People looking at these positive tests as an argument against vaccines or as undermining the effectiveness of vaccines are seeing this issue 100% wrong. It's important to talk this through. We'll do that next here on Danny and Gallant. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Danny
0: O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Paul, we mentioned that Frank Reich... Colts head coach has tested positive for COVID. Uh, he has been fully vaccinated. Uh, people need to be aware of kind of the larger trend or what we're seeing happen, which is higher numbers of people who have been vaccinated, have been testing positive, or even getting sick. Now, Frank Reich doesn't have symptoms. A lot of experts think that this might be related to the Delta variant, and that is a more contagious variety of the covid virus that there is there is a variant of the virus that it has been more contagious and that there's a thought or a belief that we might it might be more contagious among people even who have been vaccinated it doesn't mean that the vaccine is not working what it means is that people who have been vaccinated are tending to become infected maybe at a higher percentage than the original covid they're still not being hospitalized you're still not seeing people even who are affected be so severely ill that they're that they're being hospitalized so the, the the transmission rates might be a little bit different. And the number of breakthrough infections are different. But people should be very careful about saying, hey, this is proof that the vaccines aren't working because that's that's not that's not necess- that's not what is happening.
1: Maybe they'll ask what the point is of them at this point. And I, I will say this as as far as what you said about the Delta variant. Uh, you're right. It's supposedly more transmissible but there's been less hospitalizations, there's been less deaths. So that's, I think, something that people are going to look at and say, okay, well, if the vaccinations are there and we have enough people vaccinated the way that we do, outside of a sports world, I think you could say, okay, well, these numbers are going up, but things aren't necessarily getting bad. But if you're talking about within the sports world, and this is, this is the difference, we're talking about availability. And I, I, I've said this before, Like, forget, forget outside of the sports world what you think about this. If you are supposed to show up every single given day to play a sport or practice for a sport, and protocol is such that if you test positive, symptoms or no symptoms, you have to step away from the team, then shouldn't you, because you're thinking about the rest of your team do this. That's the old, and it's completely separate to me from the real world. This is a, this is a, are you going to be there every single Sunday? Are you going to be there every single game? Or is there the potential that you might not? And I guess the one difference here is with the positive, with, with uh, Frank Reich testing positive, but there's no symptoms is I, I'm very curious as to how this would work. Say this happened on like a Saturday or, 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 or a Friday would Frank Reich be allowed to coach, even though he, he has no symptoms. I, I'm not sure about
0: that. I don't think he would be because what we've seen in other sports is that if you test positive for the virus and you have not been vaccinated, there's a 10-day quarantine, no questions asked. Like you, right. You'll be tested again at the end of the 10 days. But even if you were tested the next day and were still negative, you're, you're, you're in a 10-day quarantine where you're not going to see other people. If you are vaccinated— you keep getting tested until you don't test positive. Once you test negative, you're then allowed to return. That that's generally how it's worked in other sports. I don't think if if we do know the specifics, Peter King and Football Morning in America had a long sort of look at what players are doing regarding the vaccines. And it's clear that the NFL, that the pressure that they're applying to players and both from the league and from the league through the teams, is that they're going to be entirely different rules for players who are vaccinated compared to those who are not. So the league, as opposed, instead of mandating vaccines and saying you have to get it, is going to say you don't have to get it. You're heavily encouraged. And if you don't get it, things are going to be significantly more difficult for you as a player in terms of the restrictions you have. You're not going to be able to leave for Labor Day. You're going to have to remain at home where you'll be tested each and every day during the bye week. You're not going to be able to leave. You're going to be able to. You're going to have to be tested at home each day during the bye week. That coaches are not even given. That Rick Dennison, who is the run game coordinator in Minnesota, that there were reports last week that he's he's not if he doesn't get vaccinated, that he's not going to continue. He's not going to continue being their run game coordinator. And the reason for that is because the restrictions that are placed on coaches are even more strenuous, you wouldn't be able to travel with the team. So if you're if you're the coach, you're not able to travel on the team's charter flight if you're not vaccinated. So that's clearly the NFL's approach to this, is that even for the players who are reluctant or opposed to getting the vaccine, they're going to make it so inconvenient for a player to be unvaccinated that guys will just say, OK, fine, I'm going to get vaccinated because it makes my life so much easier.
1: Right. Your life would essentially be... That of what the Seahawks were as a team this past year, and we talked with Pete Carroll a bunch of times about it. And it, there was an incredible amount of discipline. And it might have been helped by that guy who tried to bring a special friend into the team hotel room in in training camp. That might have been a nice little example to get things started. But that's what the expectation is going to be from the league for those guys. And look, reservations or not, it's about are you going to be available. And while I I understand why some people have questions I totally do at the same time it's you have the you have the ability to not play if you don't want to you know and and that should be the decision that's being made here and it's instead turning into just a lot of questions about what is and what isn't and um that's why we find ourselves right here and wondering about with Frank Reich in this situation
0: the Mariners win three of four against the Oakland A's they begin a three-game series against the Houston Astros today. They are 8 games above 500, a high watermark for the year. They are a game and a half back of Oakland in the wild card chase. They're ahead of both the Yankees and the Blue Jays in in a league where you've seen there's more than half of the American League is above 500. The Mariners are climbing the ladder even in that group. They don't have Kyle Lewis back yet. There's some hope that he will be back later this year. We'll talk to Jerry Depoto on Thursday, which is a day before the trading deadline. There's a lot on the line in this series against Houston because I would say that the Mariners have already made a very strong statement that it's time to add. And the question is not will, but who. Pitching, a second baseman, I think a right-handed power bat, I think all of those things are on the table as far as needs. But man, that weekend, this weekend should have showed more. This team's earned the right to be added to. This team's earned the right to have a shot to make a closing, a, a, a run through the stretch to see if they can get to the playoffs.
1: How aggressive are they willing to be? I'm really curious. And I'm bummed out that some options have gone elsewhere. I feel like adding Nelson Cruz would have would have made a whole lot of sense. Would have been cheap. You're bringing back a guy that everyone here loves. Now you're in this spot where you're not really 100% sure what you're going to have to give up to maybe get
0: some of the names that have been floated on the table. And Nelson Cruz was not as good a fit this year as he would have been in previous years mm-hmm. because the Mariners have actually gotten pretty good production out of their DH spot. The way that they've used it, and which is especially kind of saving the legs of some guys as well, and then Luis Torrens bat— has certainly made a huge. The DH spot has not been the black hole that it has been for this franchise in the past. Adam Frazier going to from Pittsburgh to San Diego is certainly a guy that would have fit. Whit Merrifield is is not as good a player as Frazier, but he signed for a, another year. He's a guy that fits. And then you got the question of the Rockies are still making noise like Armand Marquez is not going to be traded, but
1: everyone I, has a price. I I would I'm very curious to see how how honest Colorado's being with that
0: posturing they're doing right now they there are going to be teams that make changes and with the number of teams that are competitive for a wild card spot that sometimes can can have a chill on the number of deals that end up getting made but I'm, I'm really excited to watch this and certainly all eyes in the in the short term are on Whit Merrifield and if the Mariners will make a push to get him from the Royals
1: right seems like that's the one that they are the hottest on and there probably will be other names that we see over the course of the remainder of the week and The Mariners put themselves in this spot by winning three of four against Oakland. And, I mean, what would he say we wanted to see coming out of this series? Winning maybe four out of seven? Uh, All right. I mean, you took care of business such against Oakland that that's a possibility. Winning one of the games against the Astros, can you win two? That's another question entirely.
0: But I don't think it's impossible. That is Danny and Gallant. It's going to be time for us to raise flags. That's coming up next. From the pocket, and flags everywhere. Flag on the play. Now there's a flag down. Every morning at 9.45 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be charged with a timeout. Flag on the play. I'm always in support a little more spunk from our Mariners. I'd like to see him fight. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm small and, and bloodthirsty and all of these other things, like I... Wouldn't mind seeing a good brawl. In lieu of that, I would like to take us back. And I'll start by going back to what Cole Irvin said. So this is back in May. The Mariners knocked him around a little bit. And I don't know if he got in his feelings or decided that he was a little uh, maybe better than he was. But after the game, he took exception to the fact that he allowed 10 hits to the Seattle Mariners. And he did it in a fairly dismissive way. Here's yesterday's A's starter, Cole Irvin.
1: Really, a team like that? I mean, yeah, I, there was a lot of weak contact and and some swings that you know ended up being hits. But I think at the at the end of the day, uh, you know, just pitch pitch execution needs to be a lot better. And and a, a, and a team like that should not be putting up ten hits against against me or or anyone. I mean, I'm 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 extremely disappointed in, in my efforts tonight. Against me? Not against yeah. me.
0: So after the Mariners beat him yesterday, they chased him, what, he he left the game after the fourth? Mm-hmm. He wasn't back. And in the third inning, he ended up, he couldn't get out of the inning. He gave up four runs after he had two outs, which was just fantastic. Here was, here was Kyle Seeger, what, Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times, asking him if Cole Irvin's uh, disrespectful comments had made an impact.
1: Kyle, did you, had you guys discuss Irvin's comments that he made after he, the last time you guys got 10 hits off of him and some of the things he said about you post-game? What happened? I'm sorry. Did you guys discuss any <laughs> of the comments as a team that Cole Irvin had uh, about you saying that he should never give up ten hits to a team like you guys? Um, did you guys the, talk about that at all? That that pitcher, the pitcher said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know we'd faced him before. So yeah, no, that's fine.
0: <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I think that that was hearing it again. Kyle Seeger was pitch perfect man. That that was that's a phenomenal response because you don't you don't want to get into a a back and forth with somebody named Cole Irvin, but you want to make it clear how irrelevant he is, right? After that and that's Kyle Seeger's Kyle Seager's response did that perfectly. A pitcher like him.
1: That's why I really enjoyed Tom Murphy's response to all of it and it's great to have multiple Mariners taking shots at Cole Irvin after the fact. Also saw on Instagram, I believe it was J.P. Crawford who posted the caption of said quote, and there may or may not have been a clown emoji in the bottom right of his Instagram story underneath said picture, but uh, here is Tom Murphy in his response to what Cole Irvin had to say. Honestly, we don't even remember facing him. Like... Yeah, I mean, we came in today just like he was every other pitcher, and, you know, we treated him just like we would a pitcher like that. Like that. A pitcher like that. Not a very good pitcher like that against the Mariners, for what it's worth. He had nine pretty good starts in a row where he was able to get into the sixth inning, but the Mariners, they own that butt.
0: Pretty, pretty enjoyable. Little bit of karma coming back to bite him. Morrow, what do you got?
2: I am going to throw a flag on Sean McVeigh for hiring a writer to be his special projects assistant and a writer. That had this take a few years ago about Russell Wilson.
1: If you're factoring in price, I am. I am <laughs> without question. I mean, like I am doing Jacoby, especially if I can get something for Russell Wilson, which we're going to dive into. But if yeah. it's just even head to head, Jacoby Brissett for what 10, 12 million a year, maybe for the first couple years versus Russell Wilson at thirty plus million a year, I'm taking Jacoby Brissett and, and I'm going home early because I didn't have to spend much time on that decision.
2: Wow, what's he going to bring to your staff? McVeigh? Like, hey, I just... I mean, I understand everyone has bad takes sometimes, but that was just... No one thought that was a good take then. You know, sometimes people at least agree with you at the time.
0: He's liked in football circles, isn't he? As, Who? Uh, uh,
1: Andy McNoit. Benoit.
0: No, Andy Benoit. I, I don't know, man. I No, I don't think so. I would have identified... And maybe I'm dead wrong on this. And maybe I, I am underestimating the football acumen of Andy Benoit. No. I identified Andy Benoit as one of those people who talks about football as if he knows it schematically and doesn't. That's what I is someone that uses all of the phrasing that that football experts use or coaches and scouting and doesn't know what he's talking about. Does not know his butt from a hole in the ground. <laughs> that, that, that that honestly that that's how I say. So when when I hear that McVeigh hired him, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm in the idiot. May, maybe Andy Benoit is really really sharp and the things that I've said, but it floors me that that is the dude out of me. John Hollinger went from being a stats and analysis person at ESPN to working with the Memphis Grizzlies. There have been a number of other people recently that have gone, and I don't think you need to have been trained conventionally, but I think that you need to bring something of, of value, of insight from it, and if that's present in Benoit's work, I've just never seen it. I feel like I've read him a lot. His title
1: is a weird one, too, because I really wonder what is Sean McVay going to ask him to do? And the title is essentially something along the lines of like the special consultant of information. It's
2: a very strange title. Assistant of special projects. Thank
0: you.
1: What does that mean? What does that do?
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a completely weird one.
2: We need to ask Carol if he has one of those.
0: Yeah, or ask him if he'd hire me to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I bet he would, Danny. Yeah? Ask him (laughs) if I could be the the, uh, assistant of special projects. Or I could just be his parser, right? He could say his answer, and then I would tell everybody what he actually means. (laughs) I'd like that. Paul, what do you got? By
1: the way, Danny, did you know that Cole Irvin played his baseball at the University of Oregon? No, <laughs> I looked this up. Really? Texter sent this in, and I just looked this up on Wikipedia. And no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, does that make it even sweeter for you?
0: It's funnier. They've got because Seth Brown, who's on their team, is from Klamath Falls. He's from the little podunk town that I was born in and lived in for 15 years. I did not know Cole Irvin was a duck. He was drafted
1: by the Blue Jays. Instead, went to the University of Oregon, 2013 through 2016.
0: you just don't hear guys talk about other teams like and you don't hear good players talk about other teams like he was talking about them like this just it's lame good I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad he had to eat it yesterday
2: guys a little breaking news here Ian Rappaport saying quarterback Aaron Rodgers has indicated to indicated to people close to him that he does plan to play for Green Bay this season that is the expectation many factors at play but with Brian Guttenkuss saying that he is hopeful for a positive outcome there's a glimmer of optimism
1: so this, oh, whole, I'll actually play. this whole... Oh, actually play. What do you got, season, Paul? I, I kind of want to throw a flag at this entire offseason with all this quarterback drama. Especially, oh, I love it. Especially the end with which we learned that none of these guys actually have the power that they believe themselves to have. A really quick flag. I'm going to throw it at the Olympics. Whenever I have an opportunity to, I will. The Olympics have been coming down hard on the internet for anybody who dares to post clips of the fun moments that are seen along the way. DMCA infringement, and they are taking them down. It just is a dinosaur model to operate with. When someone is posting something that, I don't know, is funny, entertaining, maybe more people will actually watch your Olympics And not that we care about things like this, Danny, because generally whenever the number of people watching a sport is brought up, it's used to make some sort of a political point. The Olympics were down in in viewership by 17 million. So, that's noteworthy, and I would think that in a era like today with tiktokers and all sorts of people that like the 10 second clips and just just to move on you would think that the olympics would let some people try to share some of these things instead they are operating like complete dinosaurs so bad job by the olympics bad job by nbc
0: that's going to do it for us it, stopping people from viewing your product is a bad policy like that it, it this is not rocket science stopping people from viewing your product is a bad policy
1: Basketball did it first. Football learned. Baseball even learned. Come on, Olympics.
0: We'd like to thank Brock Heward for joining us for Blue 42. Getting closer and closer. Two days away from the start of training camp for the Seattle Seahawks. Your Mariners taking on the Houston Astros tonight. Professor John Clayton was here for the morning drive. Maura Dooley, who is going to be headed to Colorado for some well-deserved, hopefully restorative, family R&R. More, we're going to miss you and we hope you have an absolutely fantastic week.
1: Thank you. I'll miss you guys too.
0: He is Paul Gallant and that's right, don't get in the way of his internet viewing.
1: And he is Danny O'Neill and if you want to get back at somebody who's talking trash about you, just act like they don't exist. That's what Danny would do. The Kyle Seeger approach. So long, farewell, have yourselves. A wonderful Monday. Up next, it's just me and the question that I have Are the Mariners and their record in one-run games, is this something that actually has a reason that can keep up, or is this flukish? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more after a awesome weekend for the Mariners next.